Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. I am your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are here to discuss the Purdue basketball victory over Indiana State and, unfortunately, the Purdue football loss to Ohio State uh, from this <laughs> from this past weekend. Um, so we're going to end with the uh, Purdue-Ohio State game. So if you want to skip over the, the sadness uh, and reliving that terribleness, just stop after we go to the commercial break. Uh, you won't break our hearts too much because it already counts as a listen for us. So, you know, at that point, we, we've got you. Um, so we can just move on from there. But before we get too deep into any of that, um, Casey, I have a question. It is related to basketball, Purdue basketball this week. I am so ready, Ledman. Okay, so if you'll recall, uh, in an earlier podcast, you said you had a prediction that either Jaden Ivey or Trevion Williams would win Big Ten Player of the Year. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering Edie. if you would, if, exactly, Edie, I'm wondering if you would like to take that back, maybe remove Williams and throw Edie on that list instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would. He's, he's phenomenal. He's incredible. Um, since you got questions for me, I'm just going to jump into it because I had some Zach Eady based questions for you. Oh, no. A little this trivia. Is... Oh, this, see, this isn't fair. A little bit of fun. Okay. All right. How many, how many we got? Um, let's go. We'll, I'll give you three questions. Okay. And I'm going to start off with the craziest one because this, this blew my mind when I looked at it. Okay. How many, according to Ken Palm, Fouls drawn per 40 minutes is Zach Eady averaging through two games. Okay, so we're only looking at this season. Yes. Okay, uh, fouls per 40 minutes? Yes. Okay, he's he's been getting like 25 minutes a game. Twenty. Uh, he's been going to the line a lot. Um, Very mathematical so far. Oh, I'm trying. I'm going to say 11. Holy crap, Ledman. It's 11. What? Yes. On the <laughs> dot. That's amazing. I love it. I don't even <laughs> want to ask the other questions. Just let's live in this moment. 
<laughs> Way to go. Uh, he's the fourth best player, according to Ken Palm, uh, overall. And he's rebounding 29.3% of his offensive rebounds when he's on the floor. That's amazing, too. Way to go. That was nuts. 11 fouls for 40 minutes. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's getting – you're getting a team into the double bonus if you played one half, you know? I mean, you're fouling that, out two guys and an additional foul. I mean, it's just nuts. It's nuts. If, I mean, if he could if he could play like this the whole time, that would be amazing. He's 12 of 14 from inside the arc, which is the only way he shoots. So, 12 well, yeah. of 14. That, it's just incredible. 82% from the free throw line. Uh, that 14 almost, of 17. That almost seems unfair for a guy his height because guys his height are almost always terrible free throw shooters. Our boy you know, might be might be punching a ticket to the first round. I mean, you, you, can't, he's play. you can't play hack and Edie when you're shooting over 80% mm. from the free throw line. He's blocking uh, 13% of shots at the rim <laughs> while he's on the floor. Oh, my gosh. Rebounding 27% of defensive rebounds. The, the man is a – right now, I'm looking at our, our – I was looking at our plus minus before we do this. And he has by far the largest box minus – uh, plus minus, an absurd for two games, fourteen point four plus minus. Wow. His offensive rating, offensive, uh, pretty much a box score that estimates the offensive points per one hundred possessions a player contributes above a league average player, eleven point seven. Our next oh highest is five point two. Is that Edie? No. Or I'm sorry, Ivy. No, that's Sasha. Oh, okay. A lot sense. of these advanced really metrics, a lot of these advanced metrics really favor shooters. They're just going to because it's a lot about just being efficient with the yeah. less amount of shots you have, the better almost. Right, right. And, you know, in the last half dozen or dozen years, you know, people have really learned a three-pointer is worth more than a two-pointer. Yeah. We're also two, two games into the season, so none of these stats really matter. Right, right. Those are still absurd. Like, what he's doing on offense is – because it's, it's not like he's a gimmick because he's, he's really a cheat code because there's no one in the country that's, like, big enough. He is the biggest. Yeah. So what yeah, he's I, doing is shockingly sustainable because of how much better he's gotten with already the length and height. Right, yeah, it's not like in football if you if you're the first team to play the wildcat, everybody's like, "Oh my god, what do we do?" and they have no idea how to do it, but then once they solve it, you know, you can you can stop it. Um Edie is just a giant human being and is really good at what he does, and there's really no changing that. I mean, he's always going to be giant, uh and he's always going to have really soft touch and he's always going to be able to take one step from where he is seemingly and get to the rim for an easy shot. Well, it, it's like in the Wildcat if you literally brought a wild cat onto the field. <laughs> yeah, like that would leopard. be hard to stop. That's what Zach Eadie is. He's uh, not human. Yeah. I, and we're not, you know, this is supposed to be a game wrap, so we should talk about the game. But I, I don't feel like it's been, it's been an enough of a point of how much of a freak he is. Just, I can't imagine, I don't think this is going to change much throughout the year. 
He's obviously not going to go eight for nine. Maybe he, like he might go seven of 11 most games. But what he's doing in the small amount of minutes on both sides of the floor right now, if he continues this, like he needs to be a national spotlight every week, every game. Because what he's doing is preposterous. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, Purdue has been pretty good at getting the word out and getting pe- players' names out these last few years. And uh, the college basketball media world really does seem to have an in- – not an interest, I should say. They they have been pretty good at spotlighting Purdue players uh, when they've done pretty well these last few years. So I expect uh, Zach Eady will get his fair share of accolades in the national media here soon. Yeah, uh a real benefit of having a coach that people like. And yeah, who is yeah, that's true. Available and gives good answers to the media and is present. Great answers. And those things matter. Like, media members are going to write about people that you can get good quotes from. That's just how it works. That's why Doc Rivers is so loved in the NBA. Why certain coaches you just see, they're always on, on TV because they always give good stuff, whether it's behind the scene or on the screen. So. It's good to I, see. I like that. Behind the scene <laughs> or on the screen. That was good. You just come up with that? I, I, I'm a, I'm a word wizard. I loved that. That was great. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is, I hate to say it, but like all signs started the season. This is looking like a special team. Yeah. We're, so, gush, we're gushing about Edie, who at, when we started the year, we thought, you know, he was either the first or second best center on our team. We weren't sure. Right. Right. Um, so before we get too far into it, there are two other teams we wanted to at least mention at the top uh, because they've been doing some really, really good things, exciting things. Um, the Purdue women's soccer team uh, won Woo! an NCAA tournament game this past week. That's right. Uh, took on Loyola Chicago, went to two overtimes uh, before scoring the one and only goal in the game. Um, it was Sarah Griffith who if you know much about Purdue soccer, you know uh, she has been crushing it. She had 15 goals this season, um, and this was her 16th. So they moved. That, that is moved, a Purdue record. That is a Purdue record. There you the, go. Uh, Maddie Williams record, which was set two years ago. Okay. Um, and that moved Purdue into the second round where they will face Notre Dame uh, of all teams. So they will face Notre Dame on the 19th. So that is going to be this coming Friday. And uh, there's no time announced for that yet. Um, I believe they probably do this similar to, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament. They'll announce the teams once all the uh, matchups are set, and then they'll figure everything out from there. But if you're interested in Purdue soccer, the next game is going to be on the 19th. Um, I, I have no television or uh, streaming service uh, information in front of me. They haven't announced that yet, but I believe this most recent game was on Big Ten Plus. You could find it there. Um, so that might be the case for this next round against Notre Dame, but do not quote me on that. Yeah, Coach Drew Roth has really turned around this program. Uh, I spoke about Maddie Williams, who was an All-American a couple years ago, uh, did a big feature on her. She helped kind of uplift this program to get into the Big Ten tournament for the first time in almost a decade, and now the talent has just kept coming, and now we have a win in the NCAA tournament. We're going to go to the round of 32, so very exciting stuff. you love to see it. Uh, camera angles could be worked on quite a bit. I'll say that. I was trying to catch the last of the game, and whew, you, you really appreciate uh, 
the camera work that is used on sports that are more prioritized. So hopefully going forward, we can get a little more close up, a little, little better viewing for these. Games. Yeah, I, I only saw uh, the highlights after the goal had the goal had been scored. Um, so I, I trust you on that. I just know, like you said, um, women's soccer is not really prioritized because it's not really financially viable for most schools. So, um, you know, it's unfortunate for the women who put in so much, so much effort and put in so much work, but, uh, we're just glad to see, uh, the women get this victory and hopefully they can, uh, sneak up and surprise a Notre Dame team that I believe is, uh, the three seed. Uh, in their, in their, either in their bracket or overall. So it's going to be a tough matchup for them, but, uh, we hope they can, uh, pull off an upset. So congrats to Purdue soccer. Uh, now looking at other sports, the Purdue volleyball team, the last time we talked about them, they were having a bit of uh, a downturn. They'd lost three of their last four. Um, they lost, uh, against Ohio State on the road. They beat Penn State at home and then lost to Michigan State, which was the worst one because Michigan State was unranked. Uh, they lost two to three to them uh, and then lost to number nine, Nebraska. So you can excuse the loss to Nebraska. I mean, that's a good team. But since then, this Purdue volleyball team has been on a tear. They have won six straight matches, um, including three against ranked opponents, including number three, Wisconsin, they were then number four, Wisconsin, the second time we played them and beat them. And then just tonight, we beat um, number eight, Minnesota. Reminder, Purdue is currently ranked number nine. Uh, they beat Minnesota on the road for the first time in 33 years. So the last time uh, Purdue Volleyball won at Minnesota was in 1988. Uh, and tonight, they took them out three sets to one. Uh, that's, like I said, six, game, six games in a row, uh, six matches. Purdue has won, and they currently sit in, uh, you know, just one game back in the Big Ten standings. Wisconsin and Nebraska both sit at 13 and three. Uh, Purdue, Penn State, and Minnesota are all tied at 12 and four. Um, looking at the rest of the schedule, Purdue has four matches left. They've got Michigan, Northwestern, Indiana, and Nebraska. So there is still a chance Purdue could win the Big Ten. Uh, or at least get a tie. And like I said, being on a six game win streak will certainly, uh, certainly help you. So, uh, Shondell's really got the team going right now and they are really priming themselves for a great situation in the, uh, NCAA tournament. Which, how, how about those boilers? What's better? I didn't see the one after today. No, oh, no. Uh, yet. Have you, did he, did they post it already? Did they do another one today? I meant the one between Shondell and Roth. Oh, I thought Shondell's was pretty good. He had the benefit of they cut in when he was already on the table. Yeah, the Roth one, that that video dude did him dirty. You can't show that awkward first step onto the table, especially because <laughs> you saw what happened last time, so you knew what was coming. Right, right. So you're like, ah, he's trying to he's trying to pull the Shondell here. I like that. I like that these coaches are kind of like working with each other and they're building each other up. But also, I like that they've got that that just. Let's go boilers yell. It's a oh, nice I addition. It. It, it's a nice addition rather than just yelling boiler up all the time. I, I think it's pretty good. It's I, I ten out of ten on both. Shondells was better, but like absolutely an incredible way to I think a lot of it was your volleyball, you're inside, you're not miserable. You could tell those soccer, they had just played double overtime out in the cold. Yeah. They looked I'm sure they were exhausted. And they, they were in like some outdoor classroom looking thing. And, you know, nice indoor locker room for Shondell. Nice. I, I think it's I think it's awesome. Like 
great thing to do. That should be a tradition for every win from here on out, every big win. Uh, when when we win a national title this year, Painter better get on the table. Oh, onto a table, through a table, <laughs> climb up that ladder, yell, stand on the rim, you know, do what you got to do. I don't care. Uh, so, you know, big things are happening with Purdue Sports. Uh, I believe wrestling also got in the action this weekend and uh, had a had a win and a dual meet. But uh, right, I can only go so far on this. Yeah, you know, I you know, hey, I'm just trying to spotlight the sports so we I don't, don't talk have about notes for the wrestling. I don't either. I don't either. So um, we're always rooting for any anybody Purdue. So uh, with that out of the way, let's talk about the Purdue win, uh, Purdue basketball win over Indiana State. Um, you know, it was uh, it was on Friday. It was a game that again was never in doubt. It's one of those oh ESPN autoplay videos. I hate you so much. Uh, it was a game that was never in doubt. <laughs> 92-67 was your final score. Um, Purdue just outclassed Indiana State at every position um, on the floor, which is what you hope for when you're seventh in the country and uh, you're playing a team in an out-of-conference game that you likely are paying them to come into your arena. So um, obviously the the gameplay of Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady really stood out. Uh, the two of them had just fantastic games. We talked about Eady uh, at the start there. But, um, Casey, what can you tell me about Jaden Ivey or anything else that stood out to you about this victory? Well, remember when we talked last week, I was wondering how we were going to balance big men inside and what Jaden Ivey was really good at, which is attacking the hoop. Yeah, which is correct. Which he did. He had, you know, nine attempts inside the arc, made eight of them. Most of them were at the rim. The way he did it was grab rebounds. He grabbed eight of them and took off on the fast break and took advantage of being the best athlete on the floor. And that – that breaks, you can't have a defense set up, and if you don't have a defense set up to stop Ivy, you're not stopping him. He's going to get to the rim. He shows that he can finish weird angles, hanging in the air, right or left hand. And we we saw him grab and really push it. You could tell that was a really big emphasis for him, just get out in front of the defense and make plays. And that's what he did. So it was really nice to see that aggression, not not just on the offensive end, but on the defense end. Go get that ball. Go attack every play and that's a good way to get you know three or four baskets for him we don't have to rely on manufacturing space while we have a big guy down low yeah and he he played you know fairly good on defense as well but he he had defense that led to offense um a couple steals and he had a breakaway dunk and the guy is just electric to watch and you can just tell how much fun he is having out there um you know when he he's a guy who really loves to play the game of basketball. He's really invested. We talked about it in the off season uh, reviews where he hit that huge shot against Ohio State, and you could see him in the post game presser just break down about how important that shot was to him because he'd been struggling from deep. Well, when you see him out there play like this, um, you know it's it's like Ted Lasso. Um, football is life. Well, I think for Jaden Ivey, basketball is life, and it just makes him smile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can just really see, like I said, he's just having fun out there. He's playing a game that he loves, and I think that's infectious with the rest of the team. And like you said, he was shooting so many shots from inside uh, near the near the hoop where he just excels. But, I mean, overall, he was 10 of 13 from the floor, much better than he was in the prior game, uh, shot 50% from three-point range, uh, wound up with an incredible eight rebounds. 
Um, still had three turnovers, but you can live with that when you have the other kind of production from him. Uh, total of 27 points on the night, which was a uh, career high for him. So uh, that that is just pretty incredible. 27 points in 28 minutes. Um, you know, that's that's one hell of a performance from the young man. Yeah, he's one of those players where, especially this year, he's seen a little more that he puts the court on tilt instead of being on tilt with himself. He's able to play so much faster than everyone, and he's a natural playmaker. So he knows where the ball needs to be, even when it's not him finishing. And it's just a really rare blend of athleticism, intelligence, just a danger at every area on the floor. Made a couple really nice catch-and-shoot threes. Uh, he's just becoming the full package, and that is a terrifying proposition for opposing teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we, I will say... Uh, Trevion did get more minutes this time. It wound up playing 20 minutes, three for six from the floor, uh, four for six from the free throw line, grabbed another eight rebounds, three assists, uh, four blocks. Four. He, he also had three turnovers, but again, you know, you can live with those things. Um, so really, again, I want to point out between him and Edie, they played 38 minutes. They totaled 33 points, uh, and 18 rebounds. So. When you're getting that out of the center position, that is pretty dang good. Yeah, we have 40 minutes of perfect center play. And that's not something I think is going to change game to game. That's that's just we, what we have. We have two guys that are going to interchange, keep, keep each other fresh, that have their own you know, strengths to the game. And right now it is a perfect blend. One comes out, the other one goes in to eat, and that's all it is. Uh, Edie, another double-double. Uh, Trey grabbed eight rebounds, like you said, three assists. Pretty good on the defensive end. Uh, that's nice to see. Looked, uh, lively and active at the rim. And pretty much we have, we have three guys that are the nucleus of our offense with a bunch of guys that are capable of stepping up in a big way as technically role players. Yeah. And I, I thought, I, I'm sure that most people have seen this video, but uh, in the post-game press conference, uh, someone asked uh, Trevion Williams. Uh, I didn't hear the question, but it was obviously something about, you know, what do you think of your minutes? How do you maybe coming off the bench? And he gave a great answer about, you know, this team, it's not about the minutes you play. It's about the team. We can be really special. This team can be really special. Uh, and he's talking about having trust in Coach Painter and saying, you know, Painter wants to play everybody, but that's just not how the game works. So you got to go out there. you got to make the most of things. And I thought it was a really mature answer given that he's a guy who you wouldn't expect to be coming off the bench at this point in his career. And we we really want him to make the most of those minutes when he comes in the game. And to have that attitude I think will be a real asset to this team. Yeah, and I, I think it's a lot of credit – to Painter and the trust that the players put into him, trust that he's earned. Trey's been here for four years. He knows if he has a hot hand, he's not coming out. No. If he gets rolling, we've seen it time and time again. Painter will keep him in and will keep giving him the ball, whether it's the last six minutes of the game running every clutch possession through him. Trey doesn't have to worry about that. He knows if he's playing well, he's going to stay in. And he's been here long enough to know there's one goal, and him and Edie are the ticket to it. Yeah. And the better ED plays, the more chance Trey is going to be in there for a big play that's going to help turn the tide and, you know, have some success in March, which he tasted as a true freshman. Yeah. So one thing that keeps, I, I mean, I say keeps, there's only been really two, two real games and one exhibition. I'm really fascinated by what's going on with Eric Hunter Jr. 
he played 19 minutes, no points, uh, one rebound, three assists, two turnovers. Um, not sure what exactly Painter is asking of him at this point. Um, you know, maybe it's defense. Maybe, maybe I'm not paying attention to him enough when he's off ball on defense to see what he's doing. Um, but w- what do we think is going on with Eric Hunter Jr.? Am I just exaggerating what's going on or is he just kind of finding his groove on this new team? Defense is definitely like the number one thing that he brings. It's the one thing that he is a plus plus on. So that definitely matters and that's definitely an expectation for him. I think it's the thing we've seen from him his whole career really. On offense, he's pretty good at everything, but he's not great at any one aspect. Not a guy that gets to the rim, not a knockdown shooter, not an off the ball shooter, not, you know, a slasher, not a great creator for other players. So he's on a team with a lot of offensive talent, to be honest. Just everywhere else besides Morton, everyone's best skill is offensive. So I, there's just not a natural spot for him to take a bunch of shots. And when you think of a player struggling, you're mostly thinking, what, what are their stat counts? Are they putting up points? So I, I think it's a thing where don't expect him to put up many points. Uh, I would expect him to score less than he has throughout his career just because this team is so well balanced everywhere else. The big men need a lot of touches and he's uh, on the floor. He's probably at all times the third best shooter and probably fourth or fifth best scorer. Yeah. I mean, and that's a hard place to be. Um, but as long as he continues to put in the, the effort on defense, I guess that's all we can really ask for him. Um, it's just, it's so strange with, the the role he had last year, and I feel like I haven't seen much from him so far this year. But again, it's only been two games, uh, and this team with you know a new starter in first and uh, still waiting on Mason Gills to return, they're still kind of gelling into what they're going to be. So he's one to watch to see kind of what role he plays going forward. But uh, I think that is enough about this Indiana State game. Purdue's next in action on Tuesday uh, against Wright State. That is at home in Mackey Arena. That is going to be a 7 p.m. tip on Big Ten Network. So you can catch that one on uh, Real TV, not Big Ten Network Plus, so no worries there. That's um, our last primer. It gets yeah. real after that. Yep, and then we face uh, 19th-ranked North Carolina. So we will have a big game there, but uh, we are going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll discuss the uh, loss to Ohio State. And we are back to discuss uh, the recent loss for Purdue football to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Final score, 59-31. to Easily could have been 66-31, to but mercifully, Ohio State had to take some knees there at the end uh, to let the clock run out. And uh, this one got away from Purdue in a hurry. Uh, the first quarter for Purdue was very bad. They had a three and out to start, followed that up with a, a 16-yard punt, uh, Ohio State immediately scored. Then Purdue, uh, was it the fumble next? Or, yeah, the fumble, which Ohio State then turned into a touchdown. And then Purdue muffed the ensuing kickoff, which Ohio State then turned into a touchdown. Uh, so they were down real quick. Um, you know, it was 21 to 7 in the first quarter. And Purdue really never recovered from, from that onward. And we knew this was going to be a tough game, but I guess, we just kind of probably underestimated how good Ohio State was because of what we'd seen from Purdue. But I think 
ultimately there's really no reason for Purdue fans or Purdue the or the Purdue team to really hang their head. Uh, this is a damn good Ohio State team. Yeah, I think it highlights that in the Big Ten there are there there's one team in one tier above everyone else, and it's the Buckeyes, especially offensively. There is no one else even close to them. We beat two top five teams, mostly through dominating with our defense, and this squad is not like those squads. Yeah, and I mean, Ohio State, like you said, not only are they a whole different level, they haven't lost a Big Ten game since 2018 when Purdue beat them. Pretty solid. They, they, I mean, they're they're looking at uh, three, three and a half seasons of no losses in conference. I mean, That's it's ridiculous. Incredible. Yeah, and it's not like the and it's not like the Big Ten is a pushover conference either. I mean, sure, we've got some some bad teams in the bottom, and the middle's really fat. But you know, Michigan is good. Michigan State is good. Iowa's been good. Um, you know, it, they're at Penn State. There are good teams in this conference, but Ohio State has just steamrolled people for you know the la- really the last like ten years. Uh, they've been just head and shoulders above everyone else in this conference, and that continues to this day. I mean, you watch those, the, just you watch that game against Purdue, and you realize the talent disparity, and it makes the 2018 victory that Purdue had even more uh, amazing because I, I don't know how they pulled that off. Um, Ohio State just has weapons everywhere. Um, they've got a great offensive line. They've got a great young quarterback. Uh, top tier wide receivers. You know, I think you said last week they have three of the top four wide receivers in the conference, with the fourth being David Bell. So uh, it, it just we asked a lot of our defense, and they just they they just weren't up to the task. And I again, I don't think that sits badly on them. This Ohio State team is just so good. Yeah, I can't remember a tackle of when the running back, like when a running back got the ball. For Ohio State, that they didn't get three or four extra yards after being hit, and I can't think of a time there wasn't a receiver pretty much wide open. So yeah, just the speed and strength and athleticism all over the Ohio State offense—it's just too much to ask for. Our defense has been really good this year. Uh, just it, we didn't have the horses. We don't have the horses, and I'm not not sure if there's many teams outside of two or three that do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were ranked number four in the college football playoff uh, going forward. Um, They're probably going to remain in the top four. I mean, you know, they didn't, they took care of business handily against the Purdue team, which I do think part of the reason they continue to put the gas on. So, so hard is, you know, they do have that early season loss to Oregon and they want to show these college football playoff voters that, Hey, you know, we deserve to be in the top four. Just let us in and we'll show you what we can do. And in order to get in, they have to stay in the top four. So any weakness is going to put questions uh, in those voters' minds. So they need to show, hey, we can take care of business. And they certainly did that against Purdue. So that it actually might look like a good win for Ohio State. I mean, Purdue was 19th in the college football playoff going into this game. So, I mean, that's a that's a quality win for Ohio State right there, which – if if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that uh, the Purdue Purdue losing to Ohio State would look like a quality win for Ohio State, I, I'm not sure I would have believed you. But here we are in this crazy world. Um, I, I do think it's worth pointing out Aiden O'Connell, again, had another great game. He was asked to throw 
52 passes, uh, completed 40 of them, wound up with 390 yards and four touchdowns. Um, so, you know, the, the offense did everything they could. Uh, they had those, they had that turnover at the beginning of the game, uh, in that play with, with Plummer and, I'm not really sure what the what the plan was there, but it didn't go as planned. Um, and you know, Jackson Anthrop continues to have a bit of a late stage renaissance in his career. He had seven receptions, 66 yards, two touchdowns, and he also carried the ball three times for another 22. So uh, he has been playing great. He's he's been another weapon for this offense that they desperately needed. Um, David Bell over 100 yards once again. Uh, and Milton Wright, you predicted, I think, three touchdowns for Milton Wright. He did end up with one, uh, had 98 yards on seven receptions. So he he's really turned it on in the second half of the season, and I think he gives everybody who is invested in this Purdue team a lot of hope for what he can do next year when he's probably going to be uh, asked to be the, the number one option at wide receiver because we all assume – uh, that David Bell will not be coming back next year, that he'll be going to the NFL. So overall, I think the offense uh, gave me reason for hope. 31 points against a very good Ohio State team, and I think that leads well into the remaining games uh, against Northwestern and IU. So uh, did you have any big takeaways from this game or, or from the offense in general? We covered about everything there in that six-minute diatribe. Well, you know, I... <laughs> I just love to talk, and you you talk so much during the basketball segment. I'm trying to get my word count up. We get paid by the word, you know. Right. Uh, no, I think I think there are there are two sides of the coin to this performance when it comes to our offense. First of all, saw a lot of Twitter talk like, "Damn, I don't know why our offensive running game looks so good." First of all, they had five people in the box from the second quarter on because they were up by thirty. Yeah, and we knew they knew we were going to throw, uh, you know, roughly a hundred times. That's exactly why. But I do think it was encouraging that Aiden O'Connell once again put in a game without making a mistake while looking really good and throwing the ball a lot. Forty of fifty-two, three ninety-four TDs against this team. Nothing, nothing to sneeze at at all. I think if we get, if we got this kind of offensive performance in the Minnesota game, in the Notre Dame game, we might be talking about a one or two loss Boilermaker team right now. Yeah. So I think it's very encouraging that our offense continues to get better. It seems like Brahma's in a good rhythm. It seems like our players in a good rhythm. Anthrop is stepping up now. We're getting a lot of plays from other people. If this is the offense we have running forward, I would be shocked if we lose in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, me too. So um, I don't want to dwell on this Ohio State loss too much. Like I said, afterward, I mean – I don't think there's a reason to hang our head. Ohio State's a damn good team. They're probably going to be in the college football playoff yet again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Purdue went out there and they fought. If if that first quarter had gone differently, you know, maybe Purdue could have found a way to win. But when you get punt, punched in the mouth like that against a top-tier team on the road, um, it's hard to recover. And Purdue's best hope, I think, was trying to – Go in there and maybe score right away, get a takeaway uh, immediately afterward. Try to try to put Ohio State off balance, punch them in the mouth, shut up the crowd a little bit. But you know they couldn't do it, and you know it was going to be a tall task anyway. Um, so we look forward to uh, the next game. I think they're calling it the Wildcat Classic in Wrigley Field. What? Yeah, I don't even know. It's it, it's <clears throat> something that they're doing. I whatever. 
Um, I I just hope Purdue doesn't get distracted by the randomness of the the game at Wrigley Field and they can stay focused because Purdue and Northwestern have had some really rough games uh, these last few years because Northwestern has been a well-coached team with Coach Fitzgerald there. So hopefully Purdue can take care of business next week. But uh, before we go, there is one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, Casey, you lost a bet against Travis because Purdue has now won six games. Uh, so you went to a Waffle House, was it today? This or morning. Yesterday? This morning. Um, in preparation for your upcoming 24 hour, uh, so uh, journey that you're gonna have to have. So tell us about your experience and tell us about, uh, what you, what you think you've gotten yourself into now that you kind of know you're gonna have to do it and now that you know it's real. Yeah. I, uh, I went there and ordered two waffles and a side of bacon, a glass of water, and I keep going in my head. If if I just average, say I average three waffles an hour for the first four hours. Okay, that'd be twelve. That'd be twelve waffles. My quick math there. Twelve waffles, four hours. I would still have eight hours left in the day. Yes. Yes. I am a little concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to be fun for me. No, it is not. For the staff, for anyone that has to deal with me for the next three to four days. Um, There's not much room in Waffle House. It's not like I can get up and walk around many places. There's weird times of the day when it's busy where uh, that's not going to be fun. I this this is going to be a grueling marathon. I can we uh. Can we get some kind of fundraiser get it up where every hundred dollars we raise is one hour take it off? Oh no, you're not getting out Come of this. Come on, it's for the kids. No. What what kids? I don't You're a grown it's up. The kids that we'll raise money for. <laughs> you're just grasping at straws now. You shouldn't have made a bet if you weren't prepared to pay. I'm, I'm prepared sure, to pay. I'm just I'm sure I'm, Travis I'm, is gonna listen to this episode and laugh maniacally. Pre suffering. Pre suffering. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just thinking about it is pretty bad, I would imagine. It's, yeah. 24 hours is just such a long time. It's either a whole lot of time or a whole lot of waffles. Yeah, you almost – so, okay, let me ask you this. You ordered your waffles today. You ate them. You you said you added two or three? Two? Two. How did you feel afterward, and how long did it take you to eat them? Like I was full. It didn't take me long to eat them, but I was full. After two waffles, a side of bacon, and some water. Yeah. Like How I, many strips of bacon? It's only like three strips of bacon. Okay. I'm going to need something like salty to break up some of the – because I, I don't think eating dry waffles is the answer. No. Also, the waffles need to be crispy because I didn't ask for them crispy this time. And they got that weird like bowl, like moist, almost still batter middle. Oh, yeah. See, don't love that. Don't that's, love that at all. That's not going to settle well around waffle four or five. No. No, you're and, gonna you're gonna have a an uncooked waffle in your gullet. And if I'm gonna get out of there in any reasonable time, we're gonna have to go with double digit waffles. Yeah, absolutely. It's the only way to go. So, um, yeah. I do. You have a strategy in mind now that you've gone there once in preparation. Well, I tried the fundraiser thing, and you kind of swatted that down. <laughs> <laughs> Other than cheating out of your hour. No, I was when... mostly cheating. There's okay. Yeah. I, it's, it's a war of a tri- I, I feel like, I don't, does the parking lot count as part of IHOP? 
Well, it's a Waffle House. Yes, that's right. Waffle I believe, um, you know, because we we saw it recently. It came back to to fashion again after that uh, fantasy football loss, and I believe the guy took a quick nap in the parking lot at one point. So I, I think that's fine. I'm thinking I might need to do some like sprints around the Waffle House. Uh, I think you might want to, if you're going to do that, I would tell the people working at the Waffle House so they do not think you are a crazy person. Well, yeah, I mean, this is going to be at after, this is going to be like hour four or five. They're going to, they're going to know me very well. Yeah, I think you got to like, you got to talk to the employees like right when you get into the, get into the restaurant. Got to be like, hey, how you doing? Um, here's what's going to happen today. Yeah. Tell me how I can make this better for you. Yeah. Because I don't want to anger you. I will say, I, I think I will take donations to tip all of them very handsomely. Yeah, there you go. That's I, not bad. I think, I, I think, uh, if, as a Boiler Nation, we can come together and make their day a lot better while yeah. I suffer. Yeah, I feel happier. Because I, I suppose it depends on how long you actually spend there, but you gotta think there's gonna be at Could least- be multiple shifts. Yeah, there's gonna be at least two to three shifts, right. uh, that are in there. So, and that's assuming again. It assumes how it depends on how many waffles you eat and how many hours you actually stay. So, uh, yeah, tipping well I think would be something that you absolutely have to do because these people are going to be put up putting up with you for a long time. And I've also got to decide. None of the chairs are comfortable there, but I don't want to take a four person booth up for the whole day. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, I would hate to just sit at like the the bar area. Yeah, because the chair doesn't I, move; it's stationary. No. So yeah. And most of them don't have – it's just a bar stool, right? So there's no back. There's a back to them, but like oh, it's still okay. – I, I mean, I, I'm assuming after Waffle 10, I'm going to be barely able to fit in to mm-hmm. the chair. So Yeah. I have yeah. concerns, Ledman. I have a growing list of concerns. I, I completely understand. Yeah. Um, just the sheer amount of Waffle, and then like you said, you're you probably are right that you'll need something – salty to just break it up but then you got to think every piece of salty food you eat takes up a little space that a that a waffle could go in to knock off an hour of your time so i feel like bacon is like the perfect food for that because it's not gonna it doesn't take up much space true while allowing for maximum salty slash change of pace so yeah i I would stay away from eggs you're not gonna egg not gonna drink milk no no no. I'm gonna have to so, be careful on how much water I drink, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's a whole lot of factors you really haven't thought about because who thinks about how I'm gonna survive at a Waffle House for 24 hours? Me. I have. Well, yeah, you do now. Now. now but you didn't before, you didn't when you made the bet. That's right. what I'm saying. So. I, I uh, thought how was Travis going to survive? Right, exactly. You don't make a bet. Much for happier. You're gonna lose. Much happier hypothetical in my head. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I we don't have a date set in stone for this, do we? I I think bowl game makes most sense, and I'm gonna try to do it to where I can finish. I want a 12 hour, 12. I I think I want to go 12 hours before a bowl game, and be done by then. Oh, so you're gonna like you're saying if like kickoff is like 6 p.m., you're gonna right. be there at 6 a.m. Right. And do everything you can to get out so that you are home to watch the bowl game at 6 p.m. Yeah, I think it's more fun if there's something to shoot for. Okay, that is bold. That's bold. All right, so that would I mean that means in 12 hours you're gonna eat 12 waffles. Yeah, that would, I mean that seems doable. That seems doable, right? So 
I feel like that's a reasonable goal to have, and maybe I can get done in time to nap and die before. Yeah. You know, the more I think about this, the more I think that's a really good idea to give yourself a goal because otherwise you're just going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, oh, I'll just wait till the next right. hour. And then, yeah. Yeah, I think you've, I think that's a good target. I think that's a good idea. So maybe play with the 12, maybe make it 10 hours or something, but right in that 10 to 12 hour range, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a glad- long time to be in one place. It is. It is. I hope you've got a good cell phone with a good battery, uh, and maybe you can be near an outlet somewhere because you are going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, on that happy note, I think we're going to wrap it up there. We'll be back midweek to talk about the Purdue versus Northwestern game at the Wildcat Classic. You know, that classic that we always wait for every year, the Wildcat Classic. God, you remember sitting around in high school and college talking about the Wildcat Classic? The ones from your your years in college, ah, so many classic games, so many classic. It's weird to call it like it's a one sided classic, it, right? They didn't I, even I try to like bridge the gap. Nope, nope. Just it's just the Wildcat Classic, baby. We're doing it every two. They're supposed to do it every uh, even numbered year, and then the pandemic, and so it's just a mess. But now we get to play in Wrigley, so yay, I guess. All right. We will talk about that on Wednesday along with our predictions for that game. Spoiler alert, I think we're probably both going to pick Purdue. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's good news. So uh, until then, for Casey and myself, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to rate, review, hammer that subscribe button, and we'll chat with you on Wednesday. How about them pilots? Perfect. Were you on a table when you said that? (laughs) 